Welcome to the Dr. Y podcast, a podcast about a variety of current scientific health and wellness topics. Today's episode, Dr. Y discusses travels around Germany, Austria, Belarus, and Russia. He shares his observations about how the nations are handling opening up following the coronavirus. Please enjoy and make sure to share and subscribe to our channel. Hello, this is Dr. White. This is episode eight, which I am again doing alone because my partner in crime, Phoenician, left New York to spend time with his family on an island in Croatia where his wife is from. Just as a quick note, he told me that upon arrival, locals who, of course, know each other very well, stayed away from them for a few days because they were afraid that New Yorkers can bring infection to the island. There was no otherwise guarantee you know, any need to wear masks in Croatia, especially given the fact that this is truly a small, almost private island in the middle of the beautiful sea. I hope to visit them in mid-July. I would like to pick up where I left. If you remember, I arrived to Germany with my patient from California, who unfortunately required certain procedures to treat cancer. The total of three procedures were performed successfully at the University of Frankfurt by Professor Vogel, which were respectively interarterial infusions of chemotherapy and antibiotics into the pelvis. The next procedure was transarterial chemobilization to the liver. And the third procedure was transarterial chemotherapy infusion into the lung lesion. Everything went very smoothly. And by the way, as we were in Frankfurt, restrictions were gradually lifted. The hospital was returning to normal operations and I was observing sort of funny process of removing tape from floors and doors around the hospital, which were designed to indicate where different patients, in particular COVID patients, should go. So that yellow brick road or yellow tape road indicating where COVID patients are going was removed. It was much easier to access the hospital and life was getting pretty much back to normal with some limitations, but very reasonable. After spending two weeks in Frankfurt, we went to Bavaria to a beautiful city of Burghausen, which is a small town on the border with Austria. The town is known for having the longest castle in the world. Apparently, it is 1.5 kilometers long. So just imagine a beautiful river with small town, probably thousand years old, and a beautiful ancient castle on top of it the place worth visiting just because of that, just because of the views. Of course, we didn't come there to wander around the castle. The reason we went to Berghausen was Professor Carl Eigner, a friend of mine, who is a world-renowned surgical oncologist specializing in very difficult and very risky surgeries and procedures called regional chemoperfusion of organs and the whole cavities of our body. For instance, Professor Eigner can isolate liver and perfuse it with chemotherapy. He can isolate pelvis or the entire abdomen and even the chest or do neck perfusion with chemotherapy, targeted therapy, and lately immunotherapy drugs, which requires a lot of skill. He is using both surgical and angiographic tools to create that enclosed environment around the organ which needs to be treated, both inflow and outflow from the area 
from the organ or the cavity is closed for approximately 30 minutes, during which time a very high dose of medications is circulating, allowing to achieve much higher concentrations of drugs in the tumor tissue than otherwise would be possible with regular intravenous infusions or oral medications. Moreover, once time is lapsing, the chemo and other drugs are filtrated out by a machine similar to hemodialysis, so the total toxicity to the patient is minimized. Professor Eigner, one of the world-leading surgical oncologists who've been doing this for approximately 40 years. The advantage Professor Eigner has is that he actually has his own private surgical oncology hospital with approximately 40 beds, well-staffed, well-equipped, and therefore he has no limitations which would be inherent to practicing in a university or other more formal setting. The life in Burghausen was pretty much back to normal. People were still required to wear masks in shops, but otherwise restaurants, shops, and other services were open. Also, because this town is right on the border with Austria and it actually does not have good hotels. There are a number of older hotels which are acceptable but I decided to stay on Austrian side where there is a beautiful spa called Geigner 5. Spa located on natural thermal sources with very private accommodations lake in the middle, great service and it's only about 30 minutes drive from Burghaus. So I was able to spend some time there while working during the day but but returning in the evening, uh, swimming on the lake, exercising and swimming in the morning, enjoying the views. It sounds like I'm bragging right now, but I truly recommend everybody who can and who is interested to go there and spend a week, which is very revitalizing and just a beautiful time, just beautiful environment. Of course, the reason we went to Burghausen was not to enjoy the views or spa, Instead, my patient was treated by Professor Eigner. In particular, one isolated pellet perfusion procedure was performed, which required short hospitalization. The procedure itself involves surgical vascular access to femoral vein and femoral artery, through which angiographic catheters are advanced to block aorta and inferior vena cava, while special cuffs similar to blood pressure cuffs are applied to patients thigh, thus creating an isolated circle where medications can circulate for the time allowed and reach very high concentration in tumor tissues. The procedure went very smoothly. Overall, patient was feeling reasonably well given the fact that he had four minimally invasive treatments involving extremely potent drugs over the three weeks time. But at the end of it, he traveled back to the United States on a direct flight from Munich to Los Angeles by Lufthansa, while I went to the next leg of my trip, which was Belarus. As many of you know, Belarus is my native country. That's where I was born and where majority of my family lives. Fortunately, Belarus was one of the few which imposed no restrictions during this epidemic, and Power Russian Airline kept flying to all major European cities. So I was able to take a direct flight from Munich to Minsk, to the capital of Belarus, which takes approximately two hours. Upon arrival, I had to sign a little piece of paper saying that if I feel sick or if I was 
in contact with known SARS-COVID patients. I had self-isolate, but the whole process was very smooth. And based on my short interaction with the border officer, they were not anticipating that I'll lock myself up and sit there for two weeks. He actually asked me if I'm going to Russia, and I said yes in a couple of days, and that was it. I was in Belarus. I spent two beautiful days there with pretty much normally functioning society, although, of course, Belarus also got hit by the fact that it's mostly export-oriented economy suffered due to limitations in international trade. Also, to everybody's surprise, Belarus, which is in union state with Russia, was cut off by Russia with all rail and plane links closed for the time of the epidemic. This was quite unexpected on both sides of the border. Nevertheless, the ground transportation was still allowed. My next step was Moscow because there was no way to get to Russia by any means other than land. The chauffeur who drives me in Minsk, Andrew, took me to the border with Russia where he arranged a pickup by a Russian driver from Moscow. The drive from Minsk to the border is approximately three hours. Very easy, nice highway, almost straight arrow through beautiful countryside. And on the border, which as I mentioned, because these countries are in a union state, so normally there is no border, period. But nevertheless, at this point, on the Russian side, there were border guards, and there were visibly bored, recording down very few visitors who were entering Russia. Typically, to enter Russia, one needs either Russian passport, which I have, or residency, but also people who have legitimate business there were freely allowed in. The whole process of crossing this quote-unquote border took approximately 10 minutes, just because it takes a long time for this poor border guard to write down my information, and another guard was actually writing down my phone number and made me sign a little piece of paper saying again just as I was entering Belarus that if I'm sick or if I was in contact with known COVID patient I have to self-isolate for two weeks and otherwise be careful. They also wrote down my phone number. I was smart enough to give my Russian phone number and I'll tell you why. The trip from the border to Moscow took approximately six hours. It was very comfortable, very nice, long stretch my back. And I'm saying this not to brag about this, but because the cost of the whole trip was approximately the cost of the business class flight from Minsk to Moscow. Once we arrived and settled at the hotel, by the way, hotel belongs to the Korean, South Korean chain called Lotte, L-O-T-T-E. Everybody who sees Lotte hotels, I highly recommend them. I stayed in one in St. Petersburg and I stayed multiple times in one in Moscow. Hotel was not shut down for the period of epidemics, but of course the business was down. We had our temperature check upon entering hotel and hotel employees were wearing the masks. Restaurant was closed, spa was closed, but room service was functioning beautifully and we ended up having breakfast, lunch and dinner in the hotel. The city although was getting back to normal. The day after we arrived, many services opened, such as Hair salons, nail salons, spas, most shops were open. Restaurants were preparing to open for dining outside. If one looks or walks in the street, we can still see people who are wearing masks, but most of them were not really diligent and mask was worn under the chin by most people. I would say that two-thirds, if not 
three-fourths of the inhabitants will not even bother in themselves to wear masks at all. Also, the experiment which Moscow mayor did, and again, Moscow is a city with approximately 12 million people, plus metropolitan area, another 8 million people. So imagine in order to move around Moscow, starting April up to the time I arrived, which was June 9th, one had to have an electronic pass, which is attached to the public transport card or displayed on your phone. And that pass could have been checked by any policeman, any official. So people were somewhat limited moving around Moscow, although it wasn't particularly difficult to get a pass like that, and it was free. One just had to fill out an application online, indicate the reason and where he's going, and you got it. So the day we arrived, that was canceled. I spent four great days in Moscow. Weather was beautiful, I would say a little too hot, up to 80-85 degrees Fahrenheit. I saw a patient of mine who lives in Moscow. One day and two days I spent visiting two private clinics. One is actually a chain, a small chain of private clinics and hospitals called MedScan, which I was extremely impressed with. State of the art, everybody speaks English. They specialized in oncology. They work in collaboration with the University of Pittsburgh as well as with Asian American Oncology Group in Singapore. When I was visiting the clinic, doctors actually had a tumor board video conferencing with their colleagues in Singapore and discussing cases in fluent English. It was really nice to see, and the whole facility is state-of-the-art, built from scratch to be a private oncology hospital. The next day, I went to Skolkovo. Skolkovo is a suburban area of Moscow similar to Silicon Valley. It's a free economic zone with special federal law allowing startups and foreign companies open there, bypassing many regulations. Skolkovo has international medical cluster where one of the first pioneers in opening a clinic was the same group, Metscan, who hosted me a day before, but they did it in collaboration with one of the largest and most important hospitals in Israel called Hadassah Hospital. I was actually surprised that Hadassah would go to Moscow and open a clinic or hospital there, but that was essentially a know-how transfer rather than actual Israelis coming and working, spending their time in, in Moscow. Nevertheless, the hospital is being built right now, but the beautiful outpatient facility has been functioning there for approximately a year. It is in many ways futuristic, and I would say I can hardly find or recall another place around the world where I've been, which was that much advanced and that nicely functionally designed. Again, physicians were following international protocols. Everybody spoke English. And it was a really productive visit, which confirmed to me once again that I don't have to worry about my Russian patients. They can get excellent care right there in their backyard. Also, while I was in Skolkovo, which again is only about 10 kilometers outside Moscow, I got a message on my Russian cell phone saying that I broke my self-isolation rules and this is the first warning and if I do it again, I would be referred to authorities and can be penalized with fines and so on. That indicated right away to me that my cell phone was tracked. And the, that little piece of paper which I signed while entering Russia 
was actually filed and actionable. I did not break my self-isolation anymore, but to be honest, I just switched off my Russian phone so they cannot track me anymore, I hope, because next day I was going to St. Petersburg. I was driven to St. Petersburg by the same chauffeur who took me to Moscow and spent another two days there with my colleagues and friends. Beautiful weather, no problem moving around. Overall situation was much more relaxed than in Moscow. Everybody was curious while I was there and I met with some of my classmates what's going on in the United States they were asking questions about riots and about quarantine Trump everything and I would say they were amused and very sarcastic about that this was unfortunate part because I am definitely a patriot of the United States but also being Russian citizen I understand their position here is this giant United States which is falling apart on the TV screen well, you can call it authoritarian or semi-authoritarian Russia is standing and even given the quarantine is still functioning quite well. My next stop was again Belarus because I had to make it there and I was taken there by car in reverse order in order to take a flight from Minsk to Amsterdam from where KLM took me back to Los Angeles. It was quite interesting to be in Amsterdam. I had a layover for several hours sitting in a beautifully designed KLM Royal Lounge which was uh, filled probably uh, 5% of its capacity. It served prepackaged meals, but bar was open and drinks were flowing freely. Also, despite the fact that I got at least a dozen emails and text messages ahead of my trip, that Amsterdam airport requires everybody to wear a mask. Very few people, first of all, employees of the airport, pilots and others there were wearing masks. Everybody was visibly tired of this, and I observed several employees hugging and running toward each other because they didn't see each other for some time. The KLM flight was very comfortable again arriving. I received a bag with different goodies, snacks, drinks, which were prepackaged in a nice clear plastic bag, although there was a hot meal served sometime into the flight, which was again prepackaged. Plane was not more than 20% full, but flight was totally uneventful. While arriving to the United States, I was given a form again where I had to state where I was, as well as my passport information, my cell phone and certify that I was not in contact with COVID-19 patients and I wasn't sick myself, I wasn't having any symptoms. So upon arrival, right on the bridge out of the plane, there were several young people who were taking these forms from the passengers and asking a couple of questions, no temperature checks, nothing else. I had no trouble entering the United States whatsoever. What I also noticed in the airport that there were actually quite a few flights arriving from places like London, Shenzhen, Tokyo, Seoul, Paris, of course Amsterdam, and even Barcelona. So despite the fact that the airport is virtually empty, there is still some activity and people who need to travel could travel. I also noticed that definitely some people on the plane were not US residents or citizens, nor they were from Europe, but they had some sort of papers with them proving the need to get into the United States and I didn't see a single one stop on the border. Of course, I don't have to 
describe what I found when I arrived to California. Life is still not normal here, but home sweet home. It feels good. Thank you very much for your attention, and I'm looking forward to switching my podcasts from SARS-CoV-2 virus slash COVID-19 infections to something more significant and more interesting for us, for all of us in the long run. I would like to devote my next podcast to oncology, in particular to local tumor therapists, the therapies which my patient was receiving in Germany during this trip. Thank you very much. Everybody had a great day and great time. Thank you for joining us for today's Dr. Y podcast. Make sure to visit our website at dry.blog and follow us on all of our social media accounts in order to stay up to date on all of the Dr. Y content. Be sure to join us for our next episode of the Dr. Y podcast coming soon.